Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, given the Bank of England's latest hike in interest rates, we talk about the risk of a recession and whether investors should be tempted to start moving into cash. With Sarah Gresty, Head of Investments, Sean Markowitz, Investment Strategist, and Rob Smith, Head of Behavioural Finance. If you are new to investing, want to learn more about investing, or want tips on how to manage your long-term financial plans, check out our sister podcast channel, Money Plan, available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome to this week's Word on the Street podcast. As always, we have a lot to talk about. The soaring cost of living due to record high inflation is still dominating the headlines. However, more recently, news coverage around slowing economic growth and the prospect of a recession has been growing. So I'm pleased to be joined by Sean Markowitz, investment strategist, and Rob Smith, our head of behavioural finance, to discuss how investors can navigate the current environment. Firstly, I want to welcome Sean to the podcast. Sean, you've recently joined the investment strategy team at Barclays. So it's great to have you on today, which I hope will be the first of many appearances on this podcast. You've also joined at quite an interesting time in terms of high inflation or very high inflation. Central banks having to pull their monetary policy levers really quickly and a lot of uncertainty around how the economy will react to all that is going on. Can you start by shedding some light on what's been going on this week? Anything notable for investors? So let's start by talking about the bond market. I think it's been such a volatile period for for bond investors because there's this narrative gaining traction that we're on the brink of this pivot in interest rates where now central banks are going to come to the rescue to cut interest rates. And this has been building up a lot of momentum in the bond market only for it to reverse very quickly um, on the cusp of a number of central bank policymakers saying, no, we're not done here with our work with inflation. We're going to continue raising interest rates. And that kind of caught bond markets off guard. For example, if you look at the, the U.S. 10-year bond yield, you know, at what point it started the week at 2.7%, went down all the way to 25 then went all the way back up to 27 so a lot of volatility. And as for the equity market, it seems to have been quite sanguine in, in the presence of this very volatile space in the bond market, continuing to be supported by a strong set of results for corporate earnings. We've also had some positive data come out on the survey side from the U.S., and it seems to be quite jarring, you know, despite the ominous economic outlook that you, you know, described. So, you know, quite an interesting time that we're trying to grapple with. So what does this mean for investors and what should they be concerned about? Well, the market narrative seems to have shifted quite decisively away from the inflation concern camp and towards growth concerns. And despite not having any economic imbalances that would suggest we are on the cusp of a deep economic downturn. We believe that this concept of a soft landing where central banks can miraculously bring down inflation without engineering a recession um, seems somewhat unlikely in our view. And so we believe that the prospect of an economic downturn is becoming ever more likely. And the market seems to have priced in that outcome Uh, quite swiftly over the past few weeks. So if you look at uh, copper prices, which are often seen as an economic bellwether, they've fallen about 23% this year. Uh, Another indicator known as the yield curve, which measures the difference between 
uh, short and long-term interest rates has become inverted. And this indicator um, has signaled a recession successfully uh, each time over the past 50 years, although with variable lag. So taken together, the outlook does seem to be deteriorating. Well, thanks, Sean. That, that does sound pretty gloomy. Rob, if I can move to you, what do you think investors should be aware of in terms of what they make of all this talk of slowdowns and recessions? Hi, Sarah. Yeah. So I think when it comes to, you know, like we talked about a lot of talk of recession and, and economic downturn, it's kind of typical that our brains will try and search for some sort of certainty in, in what is an area with lots of uncertainty because it's not it's hard to grapple with with it all, right? So we, we try and look for something that we can kind of pin our hopes on. Now, a lot of that kind of happens subconsciously and the issues with that is it can lead us to kind of into some pitfalls, into some traps. And I think, you know, from our perspective, you know, what's very easy to, to sort of happen for investors is to try and understand kind of what may be in store for us is to recall, you know, events that have that have happened that we can almost use as a as a template that feel representative for what we're kind of going into, um, regardless of whether they actually are that useful as a as a predictor of the of the future. And you know, so those events that you know come to mind very easily, either because you know maybe they're quite recent or because they've just they've been very vivid, they've had a big impact on us, that sort of thing. You know, they they tend to be the the, the instances that we end up looking back to and and overweighting their um, sort of value in terms of of how that can help us kind of look to the future. So you know, in the current environment we find ourselves in, you know, with with all that talk about the outlook and recessions, it's quite easy to look back and maybe just look to, you know, the last recession we had, which is what, 2020. And, you know, what were the impacts there? And how would you therefore think about that as as then you're using that as a template for, for making your decisions going forward? Or maybe uh, some other events that, have, that you've kind of experienced through your investing uh, sort of journey that are re- recollected. I think, the issue is that that's obviously pro- can be problematic, and the reason for that is because there's no such thing as like a standard downturn and a standard kind of recession. It's very different depending on the economic environment, as, as Sean was saying. You know, this time around, there don't seem to be any you know imbalances necessary that point to, to a certain type of, of of downturn recession. But obviously, there's there's other fears. So you know, we just got to be careful about basing our playbook, if you like, of what we do as investors on something that feels like it's the right representation of what's going to happen, but it might be very misleading. Okay, thanks, Rob. So we need to be careful about how we predict the future. But Rob, maybe turning to you again, given the state of the news on the economy, investors might at this moment be feeling tempted to come out of the market and maybe move more of their money to cash. Is that a good idea? I think... Yeah, the thing I would say is that selling, you know, selling out of your investments and going to cash, you know, will will obviously shield you from any kind of further volatility from investment markets, and therefore it, it will provide you with some immediate short term emotional comfort, and that that can be pretty pretty tempting, especially if you've already been, you know, taken a bit of a battering, and your compo- you know, your ability to weather more of that volatility is is reduced. But it comes, and it may come at the cost of the long-term returns and your long-term objectives. So it's you know something you've really got to think about. Now the problem is that, or from from what I think is the problem is that news headlines tend to follow market moves rather than be you know more predictive of them. The trigger 
for most of us to be worried about you know the economic environment and what's coming is usually when it starts to be reported in the news and we're starting to be surrounded by that by that narrative the investment markets themselves we believe are fairly efficient you know especially when you're looking at developed stock markets you know the US UK Europe are a pretty a pretty efficient in the most part so where information is available it should be and will be priced in and reflected in those market prices so it means that the information that you're reading about should already be like i say reflected in those prices and therefore you don't necessarily gain anything by taking that on board and and, and reacting to that sure and i don't know if you had a, a view on that as well i do have a view <laughs> uh i'd like to echo some of the points that you made and i think i'd start by saying that if you had missed you know even just like the best 10 days over your investment period in the market you know that could eat a huge chunk of the potential portfolio performance that you would generate. And so staying invested is so crucial and trying to time the market is exceptionally difficult. So despite all the doom and gloom, you know, you might be reading about and despite the fact that we're talking about it, you shouldn't really just be ditching, you know, your stock portfolio for for cash. Although it might seem like the safer option, the reality is that its value is much more likely to be eroded by inflation. And although the stock market is certainly risky and the rise will never be smooth, you know, over the long run, there's a strong track record of generating sufficient performance to outperform um, the rate of inflation, which at the moment is quite high. And um, I'd also say that on a, on, a, on a more positive note, because the stock uh, market has fallen so much this year, valuations have become much more attractive and they tend to have a strong correlation with future performance over a long period. And so that means that long-term investors and long-term expected returns look much more attractive now compared to any time in the past few years. I think just just on your point there about missing the, the 10 best days, I think that combined with you know the way that we know that, that markets move and the narrative tends to follow is that the news will always be at its worst, you know, before we see an upturn, right? And that's why, like Sean was saying about valuations actually being a good point. And, you know, to be the best investor, that's why you want to be able to be counter-cyclical in investing when essentially the news is, is at, its, at, its, at its worst. So, so far this year, portfolios, whether they're 60-40 stock and bond portfolios or even multi-asset portfolios, have mainly lost money. How much weight should investors place on this environment when thinking about the future? Maybe I could come to you, Sean, for that one. Sure. So it, it's quite an unusual market behavior that we are witnessing because in normal times, what you would expect is that bond prices will be inversely correlated to stock prices so that when the stock market starts to underperform, your bond portfolio starts to do well, it's, it offsets that component and it provides diversification in their portfolio. But that hasn't happened. Why hasn't happened? Well, it's because inflation has been really, really high. Infl inflation is bad for bonds because they offer a fixed income, so it erodes that fixed income. And interest rates have been rising. And so in that environment, investors have decided that they're going to even shun their go-to traditional safe haven, such as bonds. And so I think what this should say that in the big picture, it's really important to be invested across a range of asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. And particularly commodities, which have done extremely well this year, could have been you know, a potential refuge for investors who had more diversified portfolios. But at the same time, I think it's important to remember that we shouldn't be extrapolating this very unusual environment into the future and assuming that 
today's conditions are indicative of, of future performance. You know, each business cycle is quite different. There will be times when the traditional safe havens don't exhibit the kind of defensive properties that we would expect of them. But that shouldn't be a reason to kind of divest out of those assets. Um, we fundamentally still believe that bonds have a place in investors' portfolios. They continue to provide valuable diversification properties and in general can improve your portfolio efficiency. Uh, so, John, maybe to pick up on your point about extrapolating the past, I think it's very easy to rely on the release, the recent past when choosing how to invest. It just feels quite instinctive. Rob, as our behavioural expert, I know you've spoken about this before. Why do we do it and what are the effects? Quite simply, we do it because it's intuitive. It's it's easy. You know, we tend to find it's it's a heuristic, so a shortcut, like a mental shortcut for thinking about things that, that and it does work in certain situations, you know, looking at the recent past to model out the future. There are scenarios where that, that can be useful. You know, if we think back to kind of evolutionary psychology, you know, learning that in the recent past, a tiger has been chasing you or someone and it, if they didn't take action, you know, it ends in bad consequences. And having that as then your basis going forward is obviously very good. When it comes to investments and, and markets, it's not necessarily as as useful. And it, But it's one of the biggest pitfalls we, we see. And well, I guess one observation that really brings that to life is how retail investors and the way they allocate their money and, and buy funds, we often see that they tend to buy the funds that have done really well in the past year, which isn't necessarily a time period that's long enough necessarily to to act as a good bellwether for if, if that's a, an investment they really want to be in. But I think what we need to do as investors is, is, I guess, embrace some of the uncertainty. It's not necessarily pleasant or comfortable and appreciate there are, there are many different scenarios that can that can play out. And so the winners of the coming year and decade aren't necessarily going to be the winners of the past year and the past decade. And given the ambiguity, it's really impossible to tell with enough confidence that any one of those specific scenarios will, will play out. So looking at the past is useful and it's, you know, I say one of the only tools we, ha we have, but putting too much credence on, you know, on it is, is a risky strategy. And diversification remains, you know, our best tool to, to sort of protect against that, as, as Sean was saying, you know, across different asset classes as it, as it aims to, to do well across, you know, multiple scenarios. That's really interesting, Rob. So, and actually, there's a lot to think about at the moment. And Sean, what are we doing as investment managers to position our portfolios for, I guess, an unpredictable future? So, firstly, our client portfolios are diversified across the asset class spectrum, but we do have the flexibility to implement more nimble tactical views based on market mispricings and um, attractive opportunities in the short term. So our view is that aggressive monetary tightening will eventually send the global economy into a downturn. And so for that reason, we are overweight government bonds, which we believe will benefit in an environment of slowing business activity and inflation. We also think that this uncertain economic environment and its impact on the economy will affect corporate revenues in a negative way. And we believe that the uncertainty around that is not adequately reflected in equity prices. So we're also underweight equities, but we feel that 
the risk of a recession and, and monetary tightening is more likely to disproportionately hurt emerging market equities. So markets such as India, Brazil, et cetera, uh, which tend to be more cyclical. And so they're more disadvantaged in a, an environment where the global economy is slowing. So for that reason, we are overweight developed markets compared to emerging markets. Well, thanks, Sean. And well, thank you to Rob and Sean for joining us today. I look forward to having you both on again soon. And well, thank you listeners for joining us as well. Speak to everyone soon. All investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.